Hi, I'm Alex Jump, and this is Focus on Health, a podcast dedicated to discussing and bringing to light the fundamental issues surrounding health and wellness in the food and beverage industry. This week, my guest is a very important and special person in my life, my father, Dr. Jeffrey Jump. Jeff is an internal medicine practitioner and a leader in the holistic medicine community in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and beyond. In this episode, he sheds light on what it means to have wellness, demystifies holistic medicine, and we also chat a bit about how important it is to understand what you need for your own well-being. Hi, sweetie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, all right. So I'm really excited to have you on today and I'm going to give everybody a background on you. So um, you were the president of your fraternity in undergraduate uh, college. You're the captain of your varsity football team. You attended medical school with the Navy where you graduated with honors and medals. You were the chief resident in your residency. So on top of that, you have participated in multiple studies related to alcoholism with the Johnson Institute, and you got your acupuncture license, and you studied homeopathy and integrative medicine in Glasgow. You did all of that before your oldest child, me, turned six. So I guess it's fair to say that you are a natural leader in your own right. So you moved to Chattanooga in 1996 when I was four, uh, right around that time. Yes. And um, you eventually opened the Center for Integrative Medicine uh, a couple of years later in 1998, which you ran with my mom, Terry, until 2015. Today, you're still a physician at the practice that you founded. It's now under the ownership of Memorial Hospital. As well, you are the medical director for the Primary Care Memorial Medical Group, and you're on a large number of committees and boards of directors. Whew. Did I miss anything important? No, I think that pretty much covers it. <laughs> well, so, um, and for... For you and two of your brothers. That's yeah. The most thing. <laughs> yeah. And now uh, your, your middle child, Max, is also in medical school. So, um, and your youngest child is getting his master's in something medical related. I never understand how to say it to people. Something sports. Well, sports. well it's really kind of exercise physiology yeah. with a. Yeah, other emphasis on sports conditioning, but yes. <laughs> so something in sports. <laughs> um, so for those listening, um, would you mind kind of giving a brief introduction to um, holistic medicine and what it is? Um, wow. So that's a, I wish that was an easy question to answer because it has a lot of different definitions. Um, I guess for me, uh, the concept of holistic medicine is differentiating a little bit from conventional medicine and that um, within conventional medicine, we're really a disease-oriented model of medicine. And that's not being critical um, because being really good at disease detection and disease management is what physicians do. Um, but holistic medicine goes a little bit step further in recognition that uh, health and wellness is not really just the absence of disease. It is, you know, the optimization of your life. And, uh, and we're limited a little bit within conventional medicine by that disease model. So 
that's where I think the concept of holistic medicine is founded in and then you know, why we search for, I think, at times alternative forms of healing and alternative systems of medicine because other, other systems and other forms of healing address that issue of holism a little more than, than conventional medicine. Yeah, so I think that I think that's a really great way to define it. And I think that my whole life, you know, telling people like my dad is in family practice and he practices holistic medicine. I think a lot of people say, oh, okay, that's cool. But they don't really like maybe understand what that word means or they kind of assume that maybe it's something like a lot more um, uh, like less connected to like science, I guess, if that makes sense. You know, like the people just kind of maybe assume it's like it's like more ethereal or something like that, you know, like where well, it actually is there is distinctions and that's that's why we really landed upon the the term integrative medicine i think has become the more uh, popular term and that's was the name of the the practice and still is the name of the practice is a you know, center for integrative medicine mm-hmm. in that it, it what we're doing is is integrating both conventional medicine and and other other forms and systems of medicine uh into the practice of medicine and really working with individual patients and individuals to find a, a healing path for them that's that's that works best for them right it's very individualistic and that's the way that i've always kind of ex- described it to people is like you know you can go um, you may ha- have, for instance, like a high blood pressure. Well, it's like, you know, if, if you're interested, we, like you can talk about like all of the handful of ways in your life and in your lifestyle that you can start to proactively um, address that issue. Um, and in addition, if you, if you would prefer, like there are other more like uh, prescriptive ways, I guess, to, to deal with that problem as well um but that you're kind of a provider who who is very happy and open to the former um and leading your your patients through that process um but without like a denial of the latter that's a good example yes i I mean like um and and it really it's not an either or choice often you know it's uh and and Treating hypertension is probably a good a good um, example in that mm-hmm. it's something we do in conventional medicine very well, and it has a lot of good evidence that it is effective at helping to prevent poor outcomes like heart attacks and strokes. Um, but at its core, you know, the development of hypertension is a lifestyle or a related disease for most people, um, and with attention to lifestyle, uh, you know, hypertension can be controlled. Um, but I have more than my fair share of patients on hypertensive medications um, because it's important. So mm-hmm. I, I think yeah, it it um, it's a good example. Yeah. So you, uh, when you were talking about holistic medicine, you brought up this concept of um, of medicine being um, often kind of disease oriented. Um, and when we, when we spoke, uh, briefly before sitting down to record, you brought up the topic of the difference between disease and dysfunction. Um, I think that this is something that relates, um, you know, a lot to, especially people, um, people in the hospitality industry, um, 
because we are often, you know, like um, faced with these uh, consequences of our career that is very like high um, physical endurance and, and has a lot of physical um, consequences um, where we might be looking at something as, you know, a disease or a problem when it might be more of a dysfunction. Do you want to maybe like elaborate and elaborate and explain a little bit more about the difference between the two? Sure. I mean, it, it, it's a, it, it's not an easy concept to really grasp it. it it's relatively simple, but, um, but we, we, in, in our Western culture, we tend to think of medicine in a disease oriented fashion. And, um, so what's a good example? Um, well, let's use back pain as an example. I think um, that's probably one that almost yeah. every person that works in restaurants could relate to. So that's a good one to go with. So, so you can certainly have a disease that is the cause of back pain. And it's very important to discern that. So, but, but most of the time, back pain is not related to disease. So, for example, um, it'd be important to discern that your back pain is not originating from an infection in your, the disc of your vertebrae or that you don't have a fracture uh, of, uh, of a vertebra or that you don't have say metastatic cancer mm -hmm. to the bone. So, I mean, those are, and, and you can certainly have, um, uh, bad neurological problems, um, where a disc is extruding and, and sitting on a, a nerve root. Um, so there are real disease-oriented causes of back pain, but the vast majority of back pain are not related to that. And it's more dysfunction. And there's a lot of different interesting theories about what that dysfunction is related to. And they can all be from structural and musculoskeletal to even stress. Um, and the interaction of the brain and pain and there, there's, we could, we could talk for hours, um, if we had the right people, uh, about, um, how stress influences your experience of pain mm -hmm. uh, and how even, uh, past stressors and, uh, how they relate to your, uh, interpretation of, of painful stimuli or well actually not even painful stimuli because it's, it's just stimuli from your back it's how your brain interprets those stimuli mm -hmm. so you know that most back pain is is related to dysfunction so is that a i mean that's, that's an, it's a, again a, a an interesting uh, topic that's it's a little hard to grasp because most of the time when we go to visit the doctor we're thinking in terms of disease. And, and again, it's important to discern, discern the disease. But where I think where people get frustrated is, and, and for most doctors, when we discern there is no disease, we often don't have any good advice about what to do about it now. Yeah. We're not really good at treating dysfunction. And many people then look to alternative forms of healing for help in that matter. Right, like uh, you know, substance uh, dependency and things like that. Do you mean? Well, I mean, even like 
in our example of back pain, um, you know, if it's dysfunction on a structural matter, then, then, you know, they will use physical therapy or you may use chiropractic. Um, but other things, um, say acupuncture, that that's an interesting treatment in that it, it tends to cross over different areas, whether it be structural, whether it be uh, the way it, influencing how the brain is interacting with the stimuli from your back. And then even um, things like therapy and counseling and neurofeedback, um, these things have a role in, in treating pain, particularly when it's chronic pain, not yeah. just acute back pain. That's interesting. I never would have thought about all of the connections that um, your brain, you know, how important your brain truly is in that kind of thing and how, you know, over time, even, uh, you know, seeing a therapist can eventually help deal with those things. And I, you know, I think that that probably is also a, a big issue with medicine in the Western world is that we're very much, a, um, you know, uh, we're a culture that's looking for immediate uh, answers and immediate gratification, you know, all of the time. And so when you're sure. dealing with medicine and there's, you know, not an immediate solution that can often be very frustrating i think for probably both uh the the uh the, what's the word i'm thinking of the, well, the patient and the, the patient physician. and yep. the physician yeah absolutely and it's it's a big part of why we find ourselves in the midst of an opiate crisis um because you know as physicians we have only a few tools and those tools are, are basically prescriptions and procedures and, you know, and, and a few other things. But um, and in good faith, most most doctors want to help people to feel better. Yeah. And people don't like to be in pain. So, you know, over the years, we were we turned to opiates to treat those things. And that turned out probably not to be a very good uh, pathway to take, but anyway, uh, well, you know, that it, actually brings me up to my next, to my next question. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, no, no. um, we, you know, we, uh, we spoke, we spoke a little bit, um, and when you sent me your CV, um, so that I could write your bio, uh, for this podcast, you know, I asked you to include any ways in which you've worked, um, or it, the service industry has been involved in your life. And, you know, while all three of your children have worked in bars and restaurants, as well as your wife, um, you have not, um, uh, but you brought up a really important point, which is that, um, you know, the medical field is in fact a service industry. And that really, you know, that, that really resonated, resonated with me just now when you were saying, you know, like physicians, they, they don't want their patients to be in pain. Um, and I think that that very much is like a service issue, a service industry uh, kind of way to, you know, to look at it because, you know, you very much are there in the, in the mindset of taking care of your customers and making sure that your customers um, are, are happy and, and in this instance, pain-free. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons we started this podcast is because there is a significant issue in the food and beverage industry where we provide hospitality and service to everyone else, but we don't provide it to ourselves. Um, do you think that that's also an issue in the medical field? Oh, ab absolutely. Um, you know, we have one of the highest rates of suicide of any profession mm -hmm. um, in medicine. And that relates exactly to what you're talking about. 
when you care for people day in and day out, it is strenuous and it's, it's stressful. Um, and many of us in, uh, in my profession have gone since, you know, we've been running since college. I mean, it was, it's, it's, a uh, it's a strenuous and stressful process just to get into medical school, get through residency, go through practice where you work 50, 60 hours a week. Um, and we're never really, most of us aren't really taught self-care. Um, or, or even encouraged at certain parts of our training in our lives to, to even do self-care. Um, so yeah, there's a, I think your industry works really hard, um, keeps sometimes awful hours, doesn't allow for great relationships at times, mm-hmm. the, the family life, um, you know, it's, uh, it is involved in stressful situations, I'm sure, all the time when you have customers who aren't so nice and, um, and, and you have to try to keep people happy. So, yeah, there's a lot of parallels. Yeah. yeah and, uh, you know, I, we did a, some uh, research a few months back and uh, looking at, like, the numbers of suicide and, the, and you know, uh, the hospitality industry as well has a very high rate of um suicide and uh you know substance abuse as well um and you're and you're right you know i think that in working in fields of service where you're constantly providing to other people um you know one thing that i personally struggled with um in past relationships is being able to maintain a healthy relationship and you know especially when you're coming home from work and you feel like you've given everything that you have to to your patients or your customers or whoever it may be um, and so to, you know, then come home and have to give more to a, a partner or even to yourself is, I think, one of the biggest issues with where people start to struggle with that balance. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, and I think it's really important in your example to really, really explore and understand yourself, too. And for your example, I think it's, I know you've obviously very well and know that you're a lot like me, you're an introvert. And for us introverts, working in an industry like you work in where you're on stage all night interacting with people, it's exhausting. Um, and you really need that downtime, that that alone time, that quiet time. And, and having a partner that understands that is very important. I mean, your mom and I, um, figured that out luckily a long time ago. Um, and, you know, we were able to work through the fact that, you know, I would, I'd need to have a little quiet, um, at least on my way home from work. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, you know, couldn't expect me to maybe just pick up the phone and call for my, my 15, 20 minute drive home. Um, that it was better for me to just maybe ride in silence. So, Knowing yourself, knowing what you need for wellness and your own care is very important. Definitely. And and having a partner that you can have that, you know, that communication with. And, uh, but yeah, the first step is definitely knowing 
knowing what you need. And I, I do feel very fortunate that my entire life, I think I've been blessed to have parents who understood me as a person. Um, and even when I was really young, I remember going to summer camp and, and mom saying, you know, make sure you find time to have some alone time. Um, and I, I remember mom being worried about me getting some alone time, even at summer camp. Yeah, your mom understood you very well up until about adolescence and then it got harder <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah can't imagine why <laughs> and then i think you still understood but it was just really really hard it was hard to empathize with <laughs> uh, uh, well you know you were saying when you're talking about uh you know uh, understanding yourself so that you can understand your wellness it brought up a, a question i wanted to ask you and I know that this is not an easy question to answer, but I'd love to hear your opinion on it. You know, our mission at Focus on Health is to bring health and wellness to the forefront of the conversation for the F&B community. It's not something that people in our industry talk about. Um, and so it brings up an important question, and I don't think I've ever even asked myself it, which is, what is wellness? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that many people actually stop and think about it, but... I think the important part to regard when you think about wellness is to think of it not really as a static thing, mm -hmm. but it's a journey. You know, your wellness incorporates all aspects of your life, not just your physical being, but your emotional well-being, your spiritual well-being, your connectivity um, in your community, um, you know, your um, mental health. Um, you know, these are all, and, and these are all important into your overall wellness. And, and I see it really as, you know, it's kind of like asking somebody, you know, what's the meaning of life is, you know, what is, what is wellness? Um, and wellness is just, uh, much like my philosophy of what the meaning of life is. It's just to be the best you, you can be, um, and that doesn't necessarily always mean that you have the best physical health. Many people are stricken with diseases for which there is no, you know, there is no fault of their own or some, any lifestyle issue. You know, what if, you know, let's take multiple sclerosis as an example. You know, nobody's at, nobody gets multiple sclerosis because they smoked or drank too much. You know, it just happens. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't be well, that your well-being can't be optimized for, for where you are in your life. And, and, it, and it also takes a plan. You don't, you know, it, again, this is a personality thing, so I'm not a real um, structured individual where I have to write out plans and have a, you know, everything detailed. But some people are, and that's great. But it does take an, a certain amount of thinking about and planning for how are you going to take care of yourself? Yeah. Um, you know, and, 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 and nobody's perfect. So, you know, it, it, it doesn't, you don't have to eat a hundred percent healthy all the time. You know, you don't, you know, you don't have to uh, work out, you know, five days a week, every week, every year, mm -hmm. you know, you it, you don't have to, you know, tend to your spiritual life every day at 10 a.m. or something, you know, but 
But if you are a structured person and you need to do that, then, then that's fine. But you do you do need to think about it and you do need to plan for it and you do need to try mm-hmm. um, or or you will lack wellness. Yeah. Um, I often say like that. I um, I try I set an intention um, and and sometimes maybe mm-hmm. just setting that intention is is enough for me. Just knowing that I that I planned to do it, even if it doesn't happen. Sometimes that gives myself like the peace of mind that like, I'm not neglecting myself. I did set an intention. It just didn't happen today. Um, And sometimes setting that intention helps me actually achieve it. Um, You know, like if I'm at work late and I can say like, I'm setting an intention, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do this tomorrow. Um, And, Mm -hmm. and saying that out loud sometimes just helps me actually get it done. Right. I mean, I I talked to my, Patience about not being perfect, but trying your best. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds cliche, you know, and I know you heard this growing up probably more than you wanted to is, did you do your best? Can you, can you look at yourself in the mirror and say, I did try, mm-hmm. I did do my best. Um, none of us are perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but so you see, you know, you just can't set intentions every day and never do it. But, um, but, but if you, you know, things become habits, that's, that's, you know, that's where good habits come from too, is setting those intentions and then carrying through on them most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, and then, and then giving yourself kindness when you're just not able to, Yeah. Um, you know, that, but, Again, being able to look at yourself in the mirror and go, you know, I did do my best and it's okay that I skipped yoga today um, because I just really couldn't get to it, um, but I'll get to it tomorrow. Uh, you know, anyway, that that's more of my feeling about wellness is, is just being a part of the journey um, and, and being on this journey of life um, to try to make it the best life you can have. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's important to not look at wellness, I think, as like a destination that you're going to get to one day. Like, you know, it's a, it is something mm-hmm. you're constantly, uh, you know, working towards and, and headed in the direction of, but it, you know, it's not a place that you arrive at one day and say, I've achieved this, you know? Well, no. And that would be, and that's, uh, it brings up the important point that, you know, you only have right now right here right now um this is the moment and you're you're living um and you know we all plan for the future but we don't know what that's going to bring exactly yeah and you can only have this moment right here right now so live in it um don't don't always be don't always be in the past don't always be in the future Mm -hmm. um you know, find the happiness and, and the joy in the moment. Um, not to to move to a a less joyous topic after such a, you know, after that in sentence. Um, but one thing I did want to talk about today, um, and it's two things that are not spoken about very much in the service industry, um, but is a widespread and common issue is um, the issues of substance abuse and mental illness in the food and beverage industry. Um, You know, it isn't surprising that these are things that are, you know, big struggles in our community. We work in bars in a culture that's nonstop and 24 seven where 
working all the time or drinking or eating to excess, you know, um, and things like that. And, you know, over the years, Mm -hmm. we've seen countless leaders in our industry lose their lives to mental illness or substance abuse um, or some kind of combination of the two. Um, Every time that it happens, you know, there seems to be this theme of uh, we didn't know that they were struggling. Um, How do you think mental illness uh, relates to the conversations we've been having again with, uh, you know, like disease versus dysfunction and um, and anything else in that realm? Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a huge, important topic Um, and obviously important within your industry, but important to everybody, really. Um, and I think mental illness and mental health, um, again, follows in that paradigm of disease and dysfunction. And certainly we, in in the medical community, there's still a, a great deal of debate about where on this spectrum disease and versus dysfunction, mental illness falls. Um, and from the from the aspect of what you're talking about, um, substance abuse and depression and anxiety, um, you know, much of it is dysfunction. Um, there are so many important variables that makes it hard to generalize uh, in in what are the root causes of, of, of mental illness and, and substance abuse. Mm-hmm. But there are important links to childhood, childhood adverse events, how that influences your, your upbringing, how it influences your view of the world, um, you know, how it influences, again, your... Uh, resilience and your ability to cope with stress. Um, And I think we don't talk about it much because we don't view it as much in a way as we do physical illness. So again, going kind of crossing over our examples, um, we talked a little bit about how back pain can be related to stress and how it can be related to um, neural circuitry in your brain. Well, you know, mental illness, you know, symptoms like depression and anxiety are really just a form, another form of pain, of pain in the body. Um, and if you ignore those symptoms, uh, you do that at your peril. Um, and it, again, it comes back to addressing your wellness. Um, the role of, of medicine in that, in that um, treatment of, of those symptoms, I think depends on where you are on a spectrum of that dysfunction versus disease. And it's really tricky um, because we have treatments, obviously, but if you, again, don't delve into why are you in this circumstance where depression and anxiety or substance abuse has gotten to this point where you need help, um, then you're, you're going to have a hard time getting back to wholeness. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, I often use an example with with patients that come to me with with symptoms of distress, whether it be depression or anxiety, and we're trying to explore what may be at some of the root causes of that. And and I'll use an analogy of well, if, if you came to me with foot pain, you know, the first thing I would do is want to look at your foot. Mm-hmm. And, um, if we're looking at it and I said, well, look at that. There's a, there's a tack in the bottom of your foot. We, that's what's causing your pain. We, we need to get rid of the tack. Um, and you said, well, no, no, no. I, I mean, I'm kind of attached to that tack. I, it's a lot of work to get rid of it, you know, uh, and the analogy be here, you know, it, it's a little bit simplistic, but if, if you're in a bad marriage or a bad job and it's really creating a lot of distress, but getting out of that seems like so much work and difficulty that you want to leave it alone, but we just want to medicate it. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, sure we can do that, but it's just going to fester and get worse. Yeah. Um, And I think much, and again, this is simplistic because it, it, and I don't mean to oversimplify it, but much of substance abuse is related to that because it's it's treating it's self treatment of pain, mm-hmm. um, and the problem is is that substances are really good um, at treating pain. They work. Um, you know, if you get drunk, your emotional pain is better for a period of time. Or if you use narcotics uh, or other substances, you know, that it really does work to dull that emotional pain for a short period of time. The problem is it's it's a really horrible long-term solution. You still wake up with the same problems. You still wake up with the same pain. And now, now you're carrying another problem with you. Um, and it can become a vicious cycle. And somewhere in, you know, the, your, your industry is certainly not alone of, of, you know, getting caught in, well, gosh, we didn't even know that there was a problem. You know, that happens to lots of people in everyday life because, there's a lot of shame and stigma that goes along with these problems and, you know, and a lot, don't of, yeah. want and a lot of misinformation. Certainly. And, you know, we don't want to ask for help. So yeah, it's a really, really difficult uh, position. And certainly the first place to begin is just openly talking about it like you are. And I'm, I'm really proud of you for, for starting this to just bring it out in the open, you know, bring it out of the shadows. Nobody's going to ever feel comfortable talking about it. If, if we don't talk about it um, and try to try to eliminate some, some of the shame and stigma. Well, you know, I, I, I share with people all the time and um, my, you know, when I first started competing in most imaginative bartender last year and talking about this issue and I, I shared with people that I personally have found relief by sharing my story and by sharing my struggles and, and by communicating with my, my community um, I not only found support, but I found a community of people who were looking for support too. And, and by just being able to say, I struggle with anxiety or I struggle with depression, um, by saying that out loud, it, it allowed people in my community to see that they weren't alone. Um, and I, you know, and it, for me, it was as simple as just writing words down and putting them out there. Um, I know it's not that simple for everyone. Um, I would just like, no. you know, to add that, 
any, if anybody is listening and they are struggling, there are, you know, there are tons of hotlines available or 24 seven resources. There's even apps now where you can talk to therapists 24 seven via an app. Um, there is the substance abuse and mental health services administration hotline. And the number is 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. Um, you know, for anyone who is struggling and just needs a person to talk to, that's always a place mm -hmm. to start. And you're so right. And sometimes it's just helpful to know that you're not alone. Yeah. That this is such a common problem. Um, that people often feel like that they're they're somehow uh, un so unique that they struggle with these issues. And that's just not the case. Yeah, absolutely. So we like to end the conversation with just a little bit of conversation about cocktails. So lighten it up. Um, so if you could go anywhere in the world right now to have a drink, where would you go? Oh, man. That's an excellent question. My mind always goes to the Caribbean somewhere. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, this is really a fantasy because the place that, that I often think of doesn't exist anymore. It's sort of favorite place that your mom and I ever went was a resort called Beerus Creek. And it was on Virgin Gorda, but it was actually on the southern tip of the island. It was not connected by any road um, to the rest of the island. And you had to take a, a boat to get there. And in the little lagoon, is it's it was right near uh, the Bitter End Yacht Club, which also got What a great in name. Yeah, the, that got destroyed in that huge hurricane a couple of years ago. It's right, and out in the lagoon was, um, oh, what's his name, the the wealthy guy that owns the the airlines, and um, oh gosh, I'm forgetting his name. But anyway, he had an island out there. It was the, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been, and they had this uh, their main restaurant bar area was way up on this hill that overlooked the bay on one side and you could overlook the ocean on the other side because it was on a little isthmus of this island and um i'd probably go there right now and maybe maybe just have a little margarita or a daiquiri that sounds um, perfect is that more lighthearted? <laughs> i couldn't get it <laughs> yeah wow that sounds so great well um thank you for joining and chatting um and yeah it's, it's truly an honor and it's truly an honor to be your father oh. i'm very proud of you thank you uh, this episode was brought to you by our wonderful sponsor most imaginative bartender to learn more about the most imaginative bartender competition and the campus project go to most bartender.punchdrink.com make sure to tune in every monday for new episodes of focus on health and don't miss No Proof with Joshua Gandy every other Wednesday.